Hi, welcome back to Unapologetically Anxious Me. My name is Jill, and today I wanted to go ahead and get into a little bit more about Alexandria and how that may never feel quite like home. And the reason why I say this is because I've been getting this question a lot with all the Uh, social justice work that I've been doing and the inclusion network which is a big part of my journey here in Alexandria. I feel like I'm around a lot of people who think especially after they've heard my story um, how could you live here? Why are you living here? Do you think you can keep living here? And I haven't really answered that. Being a mom in this community, it's really hard to not feel like anything that I say about Alexandria is not going to be seen in a negative way. My experiences here are the reason why I feel like this isn't quite home for me yet. And I think I am getting closer to it being that way. It's just not quite there yet. And I think with all these new things that I'm doing and talking a lot about diversity and discrimination and racism, I think a lot of people always want to know, well, do you plan on leaving? And I think the plan has always been to leave even before I came here. It has, um, this didn't come about because it was my dream place to live in in Alexandria, Minnesota. I don't think I knew anything about Alexandria or Minnesota in general outside of Prince. (laughs) And when my sister-in-law told me that we were close to the cities, I just assumed I was close to the cities. (laughs) I was very, very, very wrong. But and being here, it's, it, it, is a, it is a culture shock, of course, but for my children and me being here, I just don't know if I can live here permanently because I've seen the effects of living in a community like this and being of color. My nieces and nephews are biracial and they were born in this community. And since the very beginning, they've had a lot of struggles with being made fun of and going through a lot of bullying on bus, on just in the neighborhoods, and even kids' parents kicking them out after they brought them home. And that was hard to watch. I think that um, I remember one of my very first experiences when I moved here was with my niece and she had just met a new friend at school and she went to this friend's house and at some point they came home. She was like, I was told to go home. I was told to leave because her mom didn't want her to be friends with a black girl. And... (laughs) It was so heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because she's so beautiful and absolutely stunning. And to hear her struggle with who she was and who she is, is it's been hard. It was hard because both my nieces are biracial, except one is darker than the other. And um, her older sister, who's also biracial, actually looks white she can pass for white and though she has very like crazy Shirley Temple curls she blends in 
doesn't stand out quite as much as my niece, my younger niece does. So when we went through that experience, she got a lot in her head about how she's not pretty or that she's something's wrong with her because she's not as pretty as her sister, at least what she felt. And it killed me. It absolutely killed me. And that was one of the first things that made me realize that living here and choosing to raise my children here consciously would be selfish. It would be completely detrimental to their mental health, I feel, um, in growing up here. My son is five, um, and he already knows the N-word because it's been shouted at us many times, and I've had to explain to him what that means. Both of my children are on the spectrum. Both of them have been diagnosed with autism. I think that with them being different, they've always known it. It's something that they've been very hyper aware of because of the area we're in. It's not enough to just be black kids in this community and being raised with all white friends, but they're also being seen as different or other, even based on their disability, which is invisible to a lot of people, which can make you the victim of so much discrimination because of that. People just come up to me in public and told me that I'm not raising my kids with respect because they're having a tantrum in a public place. My kids get overloaded sensory-wise very quickly, so going to like fairs and things like that, even just going to the grocery store could be really stimulating for them in a negative way. (laughs) I've had to really adjust to being that way. On one hand, coming from Florida, it wasn't easy to get benefits and to get services for my family. Being here in Alexandria, I do get services for my family. It's been um, more hands-on and we're still very new to the autism diagnosis, but it's been hard at the same time because my kids are children who are black and in a community where they are the only ones. So I think that they're not given as much grace as other children might be given when they have tantrums or they're struggling emotionally. I think that's a big part of me realizing that whatever I'm doing now, I have to be successful at. I have to make it work because my kids deserve it and um, they need it. They need to be in a place where they are stable. And my goal is to hopefully find my way out of Alexandria and not be a in a place where they feel like they are other for the rest of their lives. So um, that's a big thing for me. My son is five years old, Lennox. My daughter is three years old, and her name's Katerina Natasha. And both of them were my miracle babies. I It was really hard to go through all that we went through to become a mom and finally being in that place was 
the most like enlightening experience. I don't think I truly knew my strength as a person, as a woman, until I gave birth to those two kids. And naturally, <laughs> I like to always say that because it, I totally cave womaned it up and I did no medication on both of them because I really wanted to give them the very best chance at survival. I had really high-risk pregnancies with both of them, preeclampsia, um, extreme nausea. Um, I had all-day sickness. I'm totally sure that morning sickness was named by a man and that has to be the only reason that anyone would believe that that's the only time that it actually happens but for me it was all pregnancy all day sickness but I wanted to be a mom it's been the only thing in my life that I think that was always something I wanted Maybe it's my mommy issues with my own mom and not having a close relationship with her. But I I felt like I had so much love to give and I wanted to raise a family where they felt genuinely supported on all levels by their parents. So when my son was diagnosed with autism last summer, it was a journey to even get them to the point of being diagnosed. I knew something was going on with my son when he was about two. He has always been very emotional, which is interesting because when you think of autism, a lot of people think that people who are autistic do not feel emotions or that they're somehow emotionless. If anything, it's the opposite. They're probably hyper-emotional but have no way of organizing it and being able to control that feeling of what what do I do next? Am I doing this the right way? Because social interactions are probably the biggest struggles for them. So I, I knew behaviorally something was going on. I also knew that he was delayed speech-wise, so that was probably like the big indicator. And we went through about six and a half months, probably more, of different treatments and different tests, I should say, to get the diagnosis. And when I was told the diagnosis last June, I was actually relieved. <laughs> and I know that's probably like weird for a lot of parents to say or even hear, but it was a relief to me because it was me letting go of the fact that I had somehow messed him up. And I think being a new mom or a mom in general, that's just how you feel. You feel like somehow that you're creating this thing and whatever comes out of that, that you can, can, can control in some way. And I... I think that that was alleviating because I knew something was going on, but I blamed me. I blamed myself. I moved to Alexandria during a really chaotic time in our lives. He was he was one and a half, almost two, actually, when we moved here, and we were uprooting him from everything he knew. Everything he knew was in Florida, family, friends, and we were moving here out of desperation and so when he came along it was it was as if like 
some a light went off and I knew that I could no longer afford to be fearful. And regardless of what I was feeling, I had to push through it. I had to push through and be the mom who gave him what he needed to, to survive and to be successful. So we moved here in 2015 and I was afraid that that move somehow damaged him, somehow made him, I don't know, uh, different because he was uh, dealing with a lot for a little child, for a toddler. When I got pregnant with my daughter, I was actually pregnant when I got here, but I didn't realize it. That entire pregnancy was so hard on me, and we had so many illnesses throughout the process that I, I wasn't his mom, really, in that moment. I, he, it was just the two of us while his dad was gone for 12 hours a day. And there were so many times when he found me in the bathroom after I passed out because I'd been throwing up so much or him laying next to me after I had an anxiety attack and saying, it's okay, mom, you know, and he was about three, almost three when I was pregnant with my daughter. So it, it was hard. It was hard um, because I couldn't be the mother I needed to be in that moment and dealing with all of that by myself, having no family around to go through that with was heartbreaking. So I, I think that up until I got his diagnosis, I thought that something I did affected him and made him stressed and have this behavioral issue. So I was relieved. I was relieved in knowing that my son wasn't damaged. <laughs> he just had autism. And that was new for us. So we're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Have you ever looked at a situation and thought, yikes, somebody should have told them what to do? Hi, that's me. I'm Heather and I'm the host of the podcast. You should have asked me first. I look at events in pop culture and things that are just generally going on in the world around us and tell the folks involved how they could have made it better. My podcast is full of correct opinions and 2020 hindsight. And even if I get it wrong, it'll still be boldly told. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's just the truth. Listen to You Should Have Asked Me First on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. And I was just talking to you about my son and his diagnosis with autism. I'm going to talk to you now about my daughter and how we found out about her diagnosis with autism, how that differed from the first time with my son. With my son, over the last year, it's been a complete like 180 and how he's now communicating with us he's done tremendously and in his improvement and being able to say how he feels and identify what's making him feel that way it's been a lot of learning and relearning and with my daughter being diagnosed in February of this year it was starting all over again there are not currently a lot of information and research out there for autism 
for little girls with autism, particularly because all the tests have been done mostly on boys. When you're first learning about your diagnosis, <laughs> You go through so many, like, what did I do? Where did I make a mistake? What was it that I said? And I think it's because people are not fully aware of what autism is and what it means to have somebody on the spectrum. And for us, it was letting go of all of the uh, media's portrayal of what somebody who has autism is um, not everybody's a genius. <laughs> not everybody has some special gift or superpower that makes them extraordinary. Well, I think we all know that Albert Einstein was autistic now. Um, but that spectrum of behaviors dif differs depending on who you are. And there's this saying that when you've met somebody with autism, you've met somebody with autism because it doesn't translate to what everybody who is autistic is or reacts or how they behave. With my children, having a boy and a girl, I realize that. My son is probably very classic autism. He's definitely likes to be, he's a loner. He's a natural loner. He likes to be by himself. He plays by himself. And it's not because he's shy. It's because he enjoys being alone. He, he's very independent in that sense. My daughter, complete opposite. She is a kidnapper's dream. <laughs> she loves everybody. And as long as she sees me interacting with them, she assumes that they're safe. Um, she's a hugger, she's super emotional, wears her heart on her sleeve, and just the cutest thing ever, <laughs> in my completely unbiased opinion. She, she definitely marches to the beat of her own drum. And getting her diagnosis was okay. It wasn't like, oh, okay, oh my god, what is happening? What do I do? I didn't go through an emotional like roller coaster when I got that diagnosis because we had been through it with my son and with my son he was no different than after we found that out we were different but he wasn't and it was the same thing for my daughter and I think that it was good because we were just like okay so we got to come up with a plan for her and see how we can help her be successful. To all parents out there who have special needs kids, it's really hard to come to terms with that diagnosis. I think that when it comes to autism specifically, we are not given a lot of tools. Don't go down the Jenny McCarthy wormhole or rabbit hole because it totally lost me and I completely thought like oh my gosh there was this one time that he had this vaccination and then this went wrong so I caused this and it's it's so insane because there's so much conflicting information out there there's not a lot out there if you're a parent definitely watch the good doctor that's a good one also watch atypical on Netflix. I recommend that one because they they do give you a very normal sense of what autism is. Again, 
Not everybody's a genius and not everybody's like this outperforming person. Um, there's high functioning and low functioning and even those are, have spectrums within themselves. So I, yeah, both my children are considered high functioning. My, my son was considered nonverbal and I don't believe he's that anymore. I feel like he's definitely verbal at this point and has learned how to communicate a lot better with his words. My daughter is nonverbal. She is currently learning signs and things like that, but she's trying to say things and use words every day and it, and it changes. And so if you are in a place where it, it's, it is, it's okay to be heartbroken. It's okay to be indifferent to the idea of autism or to really be mourning what your child is or was to you before that but there's something very beautiful on the other side of that once you've accepted it and you've realized that I'm gonna go on my my own journey no your child's not gonna fit into this box they're not going to fit into this spectrum of what children are supposed to be at this age and maybe they might and maybe they might be better but it's not an end-all be-all it's not a termination somewhat of your child being normal it's just a a new way of looking at life and um, a lot of people that I've talked to who are autistic They say that it's a lot like being in a country where everyone speaks the language but you. (laughs) And And seeing that from my children's eyes and watching them in the world and them move and learn themselves in comparison to other kids, I realize that's a lot of what it really is. It's just a different way of seeing the world. And um, I love that my kids are, are different and that they actually have this unique thing about them that makes them a conversation piece, and and that's good. It's so overrated to be normal, (laughs) and I I love that they're their own little people and humans, and I can't wait to see where this autism life takes them. So that was it for today. I wanted to really be some sort of comfort to parents out there who are going through the same things. Autism is a very new world, but it's a beautiful world. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. I can be found on Facebook, Unapologetically Anxious Me, as well as Instagram and Twitter and leave your comments share on your social media platforms i appreciate all the feedback that i can get it's really important to me to really be listening to you as well and to hear you out and if you're there's anything that i am saying that you're not okay with let me know i'm okay with that too because i want to grow 
in this process as well. I have used the word crazy quite a bit. And if I do use it again, I apologize. I do not mean to offend anybody out there who has who feels like that word is triggering or who don't have the most positive relationship with that. I am totally aware that I am growing in the process. So definitely be patient with me as I get that under control. <laughs> and uh, keep listening. I love you for listening and for just being part of this new journey I'm on. Thank you. Unapologetically Anxious Me is written and produced by Joe Ciceron. Produced, edited, and recorded by Heather Hypley. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast provider.